Welcome to Everyday News with the Blantons. That's Dr. Latasha and Mark Blanton. On this show, you'll learn, through education, awareness, and promotion, exactly how you view the world and your place in it. Now, here are the hosts of the program, Dr. Latasha and Mark Blanton. Welcome, welcome. It is yet another wonderful Monday. You are listening to Everyday News with the Blantons, and I'm your host, Latasha Blanton. And Mark has decided that he would rather be in sunny South Africa than be here on the East Coast with me, where the temperature is well into the 30s. You can connect with us on social media by liking and following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, or visit our website, therealsouthafrica.com. Also, send us an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Today, we're going to have a emotional yet... Um, discuss um, our journey that kidney failure has taken our family through. I have my mom on the line. She's with us here today. Can you say hi, mom? Good morning. Good morning to you. Um, She's at her house and I'm someplace else, but we're going to get together on Tuesday to do the um, transplant or donation, I should say. We've been waiting for this a very, very long time. So we're going to have two separate journeys after this initial journey together. Uh, just to get started um, a little bit, I'm going to go through some statistics and just kind of let you know what kidney disease is. And most people know, but just to make sure we're all on the same page, your kidneys are basically the organs that filter your blood. So they remove bad stuff from the body, excrete waste through the urine, And most people can live with one kidney, which is why I'm absolutely excited about giving mom this one kidney. The problem with kidney disease is that it actually affects about 30 to 31 million people in the United States. The problem with that is that nine out of 10 people that have kidney disease don't even know that they have it. Um, There's a alarming amount of people that end up with kidney disease from uh, heart disease and high blood pressure. Ironically enough, it affects African Americans more than any other ethnic group, like four times higher than it does Caucasians. And the Native Americans are affected probably about one and a half times more than Caucasian people as well. So with those statistics alone, and knowing that women are affected more than men causes a little bit of an alarming rate knowing that my mom is one of those people. So she didn't have diabetes. She still doesn't. Is that right, mom? No, no diabetes. She's not a diabetic. You don't have high blood pressure (laughs) at all. So her disease is actually um, glomerulonephritis. So you can look it up if you want. And basically with that disease, it's usually caused by things like another disease, but she still didn't have any of those things. So it can be a result of, um, it can be chronic, it can be acute, or it can come through your family. Now, she'll tell you a little bit more as far as her family history is concerned and how, you know, um, kidney disease kind of affected her family before she knew. But the bottom line is where we are in this disease process is one that kind of takes your family through a whirlwind. So mom, if you can just uh, take everybody through the process. Like, how old were you when you first got diagnosed? Because I don't remember. I know it was a long time ago. I was 48. 48? I was 48 years old. Okay. 48. And, yeah, 48. So, that I was a teenager, I'm assuming. Um, no, actually, no, I was in college, I guess. About you to go to college. I just graduated college. I just graduated college. Um, and the funny story that I always have to tell people is that she had said once I graduated from college, she wasn't going to go to work anymore. And I hadn't been out of school <laughs> seven months and she basically stopped working. So do you remember any of the doctor's appointments prior to the diagnosis that you went to that were alarming that made you think your kidneys were failing? Well, actually, Latasha, um, if you uh, remember, I went to the doctor once because I had dog splotches on my skin, and I thought maybe it was something um, that a dermatologist could look at and tell me what was the problem, but uh, when I went, he did a, a sample, uh, took a, a sample of my skin and did a biopsy, as I should say, and it came back 
negative, so he thought maybe I was having lupus. Uh And I told him I didn't think it was lupus. So I went back to work, and one of my coworkers, she referred me to a doctor because I had all this itching and swelling going on. And I was always very drowsy and very sleepy. And she said, you know, try my doctor. So I went to her doctor. They did all this blood work. And that's when he called me within 15 minutes and said, look, you need to go straight to the dialysis center. Your kidneys are not working. And at the time, I really didn't understand what he meant by my kidneys not working because I thought in order for you to urinate, you had to have your kidneys. But I was sadly mistaken. That was two different things. So basically what was happening was that because your kidneys were failing, your the toxins in your body were coming to the surface is what it sounds like. And they thought Correct. you had lupus because lupus kind of gives you that that splotchy, you know, sores, and not, I won't say sore, it's a very poor word, um, but it gives you like um, discoloration patches on the top of your skin. So, okay. so they thought it was lupus, and then it turns out that it wasn't lupus. And then when he says, go to the doctor right now, you're like, okay. And then you get to the doctor, and then what happens after that? You're like, what do you mean my kidneys are failing? You're like, I feel fine. I've been peeing like a regular person. What does that even mean? So, what happened after that? Okay, by the time I got to the doctor's office, and they'd done another set of blood work there. And they, what they were trying to determine was my, what they call my GFR, which is my glomerular filtration rate. Right. And that's how, they, that's how they measure how well your kidneys are working to cleanse your blood. Now, they did that, and they found out that I was in a stage five. And that was according to my age, uh, the serum in my creatinine, whether I was male or female, and was I African-American. And when they found I was in stage five, I was at the stage where I needed to go on dialysis. Now, if I remember correctly, it was like a whirlwind. Like you didn't have, like I remember, and I could be wrong. They're asking you, like, when do you want to come back and start dialysis? And you're like, oh, I'll come back next week. And they're like, no, like, do you want to start today or do you want to start tomorrow? <laughs> Pretty it much. Like, they, um, they tried to medicate me for about a month. Mm-hmm. They try to do all they can to reverse right. it for a while, but it didn't work. And so after a month, I went back to the and the doctor said, uh, you're going on dialysis today. And that was a very <laughs> whirlwind for me. So he says you're going to go on dialysis today. And were you, you were still working at the time. So did you leave work? Like, how did you deliver the information to your boss to say, look, I got to, I got to run or I'm going to not make it like how did that work well I went to work crying actually (laughs) and I went to my boss was a very good friend of mine Bruce Christian and I told him what was happening and he was very devastated and so he told me okay this is what we're going to do we're just going to go ahead and give you time off so he gave me time off from my job so I could start dialysis so t- take me through the process. You Here you are. You've got to start dialysis tomorrow. Now, most people that dialyze have to have a fistula. I think that's what it's called. Um, or they have to, because they've got to be able to get to the artery and vein. So what was the process? Did you get a fistula immediately? I don't think you did. I think they went through your neck for a little while, right? Correct. They went through my chest, actually. Um, it's called a, a seclavian catheter. They inserted in my chest into one of my heart valves. And I wore that for a while until the fistula that I had put in my arm, what they call mature. So you would be able to stick it without it blowing the vein. It had to grow a certain width in order to stick it. So for a while, I just wore a catheter. So were you working or were you still off? Because I was away at the no, at the time. I wasn't working anymore. <laughs> okay, so so that's 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 a lot to happen at forty eight. So at this point, you're a few months in. You've got you know a subclavian catheter in your chest and your neck. And do you remember your first day dialyzing? Yes, horrible. 
very horrible. I'm not laughing, but you just said horrible like it was really that horrible. It was because as soon as they hooked me up to the dialyzing machine and my blood exited my body through the machine, before it could get back the clean blood, I was throwing up everywhere. What? It just made me so sick that they had to take me off the machine. So I never did get a good cleansing the first day. That sounds like that. And then they tell you that you have that happen the first day. So were you there for four hours or were you there for six hours the first time? Well, you're only there for actually three hours in center. You're only on the machine three hours. I didn't make it through the first 30 minutes. (laughs) That sounds like something that you would do. You you, usually when it comes to doctors and hospitals and stuff, you always got to be that person that does a little bit extra. So um, that's kind of what I remember about the, like I said, I wasn't there for all of that. So um, it's nice to, you know, hear you kind of recap the things that you were thinking at the time. Um, We're actually getting ready to head um, into our first break. So when we come back, I'm just going to ask you a few more questions, get you to tell me what you were thinking mentally about the process and what that was going to mean for the rest of your life. And actually the past um, I want it was but seven. Are we on seventeen years right now? I think it's on seventeen. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna talk about that, and we'll kind of move forward. We'll get a chance to talk to um, your oldest daughter, Yolanda, and she can kind of give her feedback on the process that you know you guys have gone through that we're about to go through together. So we're gonna take our first break. If anybody has any questions, please be sure to send us an email at info at therealsouthafrica.com. And in the meantime, I enjoy, um, I appreciate you guys listening and we'll be back in just um, a moment. Thanks a bunch. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What would it be like to visit South Africa? Is it too expensive? Too far? Is South Africa all bushes and wild animals? Stop wondering and join the real South Africa luxury travel company for all things South Africa. Visit therealsouthafrica.com for more information and reserve your trip today. The Real South Africa has tours for 2018 and 2019 available. Book now and mention this ad or tweet us after booking using hashtag EverydayNews and you'll receive an additional 15% discount. Please check out TheRealSouthAfrica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Everyday News with the Blantons. Want to find out more about the program? Send an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Now, back to Everyday News with the Blantons. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday News with the Blantons. Today's guest is Kathy, my mom, and we are pleased right now to have join us my sister Yolanda. Yolanda, say hello. Hello, everyone. She is my big sister, and I say big sister just because she's 10 years older, but sometimes you don't know who's the oldest. I can say that for sure. Right, Mom? Yes. (laughs) All right. So, um, Mom, you were just kind of talking a little bit about what you had to go through when you found out you needed to dialyze in your first dialysis treatment and, you know, getting sick and throwing up everywhere. Um, What were you thinking mentally as far as like what was going to happen like after this? Were you thinking, am I going to throw up every single time this happens or am I going to get used to it? Like, what were you thinking? Well, actually, when um, I was told I need to go into dialysis, 
I thought it was an illness that I was going to die. I actually thought that I was going to leave my kids and um, I wasn't going to live but a very short time because what I was told without uh, any really history about dialysis, that people did not live long. So I knew or I felt as though that I would not make it to my 50s. Mm-hmm. So but, you didn't think you were going to so, make it two years. Without being educated, that that's why education is very important when you come down with something like dialysis. You know, what kind of dialysis you have. I mean, what kind of kidney disease you have. You know, what kind of dialysis you're going on. You know, um, so it's just a lot of education you need to educate, your, educate yourself with. So... Um, I don't really, I've never really asked um, my sister Yolanda this question, but when I remember when they, when they told you, the only thing that I knew was that I knew a lady that was dialyzing because I was still in North Carolina and I met a lady at church um, that was still going and she had been dialyzing for an awfully long time. So your reaction to thinking that you were going to die was not the reaction that I had. I just thought, oh, she'll just dialyze and she'll be fine. I didn't know that all the things that come after, because every time I saw this particular lady, she looked fine. She was always at church. She never missed church. She dialyzed Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. She did her thing. And I just thought, okay, you just put this fistula in your arm and they pull your blood a couple times a week and you continue to, to live. What was your original thought process? <clears throat> Again, good morning, listeners. Um, I, too, um, when she was going through it, like she said, mother said, education is very important because it comes down to communication within a family. Mom didn't want to trouble her kids with this illness. So we really didn't discuss what was really happening with her. So therefore we just thought, as Tasha stated, she'll dialyze and she'll be fine, not really knowing everything that it involves. However, as she stayed on dialysis and wasn't getting a kidney, one day I just was like, hey, well, mom, can I not give you a kidney? And she says, sure, you can. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We could have done this I a long time ago. You know, ago. but that's but that's that's like, but that's her mo. Like she's never gonna. I mean, she'll ask for certain things, but she's not gonna be like, hey, by the way, let me grab this exactly. kidney. So, and that just comes down to that selfless love. You know, you don't want to put that burden on your kids, or you don't want your kids to get sick and really need that kidney. But you know, had I known and been educated about it or asked more questions, for which sure. I wish I had, for sure, I would have done it. A long, a long time, time ago. ago. So, um, so you, so that's kind of, you know, something that we never really even talked about as a family, even like to right now, like no one ever said, how did you feel when you found out your mom had kidney disease? You know, I'm like, oh, she'll just dialyze. Now, mom, what's the life expectancy that you know? Because I was told that most people that dialyze, they can dialyze for, you know, if they do it properly, they can dialyze for 15 to 20 years and be fine. What were you told when you started dialyzing? Correct. If um, they they told me that if you know I dialyze regularly, if I eat properly, and you know take my medication, that I you know with no other complication, you know <laughs> it could be eighteen years or better. Right. Because um, as you know, um, your uncle, my uncle, your great uncle Donald Patillo, right? He dialyzed for twenty years. Mm-hmm. But he had other complications. Now, do we know? Now, on on that side of the family, because that's your mom's side of the family, right? Yes, that's my mom's brother. Now, how many people on that side of the family have kidney disease? I think there's at least one, two, three other people, one that's passed away that actually have it. Is that correct? It's actually two that had it, which is your our great uncle Toby, mm-hmm. your uncle Donald, and now which is our cousin, um, my mother's sister's son, Quinroy Edwards. Mm-hmm. He has it, and which he's on it. He's still on it. That's three. That's three. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> one just passed away. Um, I, so uh, I, I thought that um, we had another cousin. I thought Jackie's son was on it too, but I could be wrong. No. Oh, okay, yes, so he's yes, yes, yes. It, that All is right. true. I so that makes so that. that so that makes two uncles and two cousins. 
Yeah. That so on your mom's side of the family, but your dad on your dad's side of the family, grandpa I never met. Um, so now, now he passed away from it at what age? Do you remember? He was at the age of forty-eight, and he passed so this, away. So you were diagnosed at the same age that he passed away from it. So that goes yeah. into the statistics that we talk about that say, you know, a lot of people have it and nine out of 10 people don't know that they have it. They're walking around with it, don't know that their kidneys are failing. So some people, no, I mean, but and some people would say, if you think about your mom's side of the family, now, I don't know what caused, you know, the two cousins and the two uncles kidney disease. But I don't know if they had high blood pressure. I don't know their causes. Do you know what caused their kidney diseases? Hypertension. So they all have high blood pressure? Yes. Okay, so that's one of the, that's the number two cause after diabetes for that. So um, so we're going to fast forward really, really quickly just for the sake of time to get to where um, the process um, after you were diagnosed, because you were diagnosed in 2001, if I'm not mistaken, Um 2001, and then um, the process to where um, you guys decided that Yolanda, my sister, was going to give you a kidney. What was that process like? Um, we had a lot of visits. I should say, shouldn't we, Yolanda, to UVA at the time for blood work, workups. You know, it, it was a lot to go through. It wasn't an easy process. It was a lot of time consuming and a lot of traveling. Um, was it the same way for you? Did you have to go to appointments at the um, in Charlottesville as well? Yes, um, I agree with that. <clears throat> I too had a job that afforded me the luxury of being able to leave whenever I needed to, go to as many doctor's appointments as I wanted to. So for me, there wasn't any pressure or the feeling of I have a job that's not going to support me. When you have a job that supports you and stands behind you, it makes the process a little bit easier to go through. And mom, you still hadn't gone back to work at that point. Did you go ahead and um, file for disability, or did you just were you still just um, on leave at this point? Because at that been... time, I was still on leave. I was still on okay. leave. All right, so that was about four years into the process. Um, and then I was there for the first transplant, and I remember laughing because I said that um, you know, sissy uh, Yolanda gave you the kidney in May, which was Mother's Day that year, 2005. And I remember buying you a pair of shoes. And I remember saying, look, I can't top her Mother's Day gift. <laughs> she she gave you a kidney. All I can give you is this pair of shoes. Um, but that process for you guys, do you remember anything about that? I mean, I was in the waiting rooms. I don't know what you guys were thinking when you got ready to go in. Like, what should I be expecting this time? The process wow, actually. Wanda, can you say anything on that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can, Mom. And good morning, by the way, Mother. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> good morning. Um, when you are going through this, you also have to go through the psychological process where you meet with the therapist because they definitely want to make sure that you're competent to undergo what you're about to go through, making sure that you don't feel pressured into doing it. Yeah, that's the crazy and part. I just remember when I was speaking with the therapist, there was one part where, you know, she was asking me, you know, is this something that you want to do and how do you feel about it? And that question confused me because I simply stated I wouldn't be here without my mother. My mother gave me life. So therefore, I'd like to give life back to her. She was like, OK, well, enough said there. <laughs> right, right, so, right. But um, I enjoy going through it. I think it's the whole thing of giving, um, going to the appointments and meeting with the doctors, everybody was so warm and welcoming. It just made the process just easy. And the day of the surgery, when you were there with me, Tasha, and I was like, okay, it's about to go. Um, even before that, I went down to the chapel and I prayed because I said, you know, God, whatever will be, will be. Um, you know, this is what I want to do. I'm not second guessing my decision. This is truly from my heart and what I wanted to do. And I felt so great about it. And the, the outcome was, was wonderful. I felt great when I woke up from the surgery. Um, it, it was just a great experience. I definitely would tell anyone that, um, you know, being a donor is something that stays with you for the rest of your life. And uh, it's, it's just a great gift to give. And you'll, you'll feel real rewarded afterwards going through your life. Now, Mom, after, um, no, that's that's good to know because, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it now. And you know, they ask me the same questions like, is anybody making you do this? And you feel weird because you're like, that's my mama. <laughs> what you mean? Is anybody making me do it? She's like, Are you, is she making you? I'm like, first of all, 
you don't know me, but my mama does. You can't make me do nothing. <laughs> There's nothing that you can make me do. So I only do things that I want to do. So unfortunately, um, the doctors probably thought I was crazy because I had a little bit of an attitude like, boy, do you know what you're talking to? Um, but but nevertheless, what were your thoughts when you came out, Mom? Wow, well, I felt really good. I felt like, you know, I was truly blessed by God that, you know, my daughter wanted to give me this gift that I wouldn't have to go in center three days a week, you know, spending half of my day at a center where I could enjoy life again. I mean, it was like a new lease on life, you know. I was beginning to feel like the old Kathy for once and for all. And I was just so grateful unto her for wanting to do it. And although we had a little roller coaster before we went through with it, is when um, she couldn't make one appointment, I remember. And I think I got very upset, and I said, oh, my God, she doesn't want to do it. I was crying, and I was trying to get depressed. And she said, Mom, it's not that I don't want to do it. I definitely want to do it, but I just can't make this appointment. It's just rescheduled. But once it was done, I mean, I just felt so grateful, so grateful. Awesome. Awesome. We're getting ready to head into another break. Uh, continue to send your questions to us at info at the real South com, And I encourage just like uh, my sister said earlier for people to think about um, becoming a live organ and tissue donor. Um, there's some new things in place to protect uh, living donors. There's a Living Donor Protection Act, which we'll talk a little bit about at the end of the show that Andrew, um, that Governor Cuomo uh, um, just signed into um, uh, law in New York. So um, not Andrew, I think that's his actually. Well, maybe their names are both Andrew. I don't know. Nevertheless, uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What would it be like to visit South Africa? Is it too expensive? Too far? Is South Africa all bushes and wild animals? Stop wondering and join the real South Africa luxury travel company for all things South Africa. Visit therealsouthafrica.com for more information and reserve your trip today. The Real South Africa has tours for 2018 and 2019 available. Book now and mention this ad or tweet us after booking using hashtag EverydayNews and you'll receive an additional 15% discount. Please check out TheRealSouthAfrica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Everyday News with the Blantons. Want to find out more about the program? Send an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Now, back to Everyday News with the Blantons. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, let me correct myself. Anthony is the governor. Andrew's his son on CNN. I just want to correct that now since I messed that up uh, heading into the last break. Um, so we're just talking a little bit about the first transplant, um, what everyone was thinking. Mom says she's grateful. Um, and then she, you know, enjoyed her old life. She said like the old Kathy, the normal Kathy. And that was kind of nice for us too, because I knew she didn't have, there was a butt ton of pills you had to take mom. But other than that, I mean, taking the pills is a whole lot easier than getting on a machine and having, you know, 12 hours of your life every week, you know, gone, just sitting around. Is that correct? 
That is very correct. Yeah, so, um, and then talk to me through the process now, because we're obviously um, getting ready to do this again on the 20th. So I think if I remember, this transplant lasted 18, 18 months. No, now what happened that you can remember when it started to fail? Like when do you notice it was starting to fail? Like what happened? Well, beginning, I noticed that, um, I was having a very foamy urine, and that is one side, excuse me, one sign that you may have a high creatinine, mm-hmm. and that it's you all- may have in your no. urine. Right. So I started noticing it. I started monitoring it. So I went to the doctor one day and found out that it could be a little renal failure coming back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they wanted to try to save it, and I was I caught what they called a BK virus, mm-hmm. which they, at that time, they knew it was a virus, but they couldn't really detect what causes it. But now they do, which I thank God for that. But um, I went for every other day, to Virginia Baptist Hospital to get an injection of serum to try to help keep the kidney from failing. Okay, so I got you. I got you. And then at some point that stopped working. Is that correct? Yes. Um, One morning I woke up, my eyes were very puffy. I was so swollen, I couldn't talk. Um, I went to the doctor. He said, hey, go straight to the hospital. We need to remove that kidney. That kidney is damaging and poisoning your system. We got to take it out. So they tried to save it, but the virus was so extent that it, it would not respond to any medication. Now, if I remember correctly, I don't know. I think that was almost an emergency surgery because at this time I was living can't remember where I was um but I do remember they kind of was like all right we're going to surgery like right now like it wasn't a oh we're gonna have take it out in a week it was like no we gotta take it out now no, that it how was a right now it was a right now surgery yeah that's what I that's what I remember correctly I don't want to say it was in it was in December it was in December you exactly December. right December the 21st <laughs> I was gonna say I remember just um I remember December for a lot of other reasons, but nevertheless. Now, knowing that the kidney failed, just I've never asked my sister this question. Like, how did you feel the, about the fact that the kidney failed? Like, when how did that make you feel? Well, of course, you go through. Oh boy, was there something wrong with me? Was there something wrong with my kidney? And as I discussed it with mom, she said, "No, it was nothing wrong with your kidney. Unfortunately, this B2K virus attacked the kidney, and it was nothing that." we could do and so with knowing that it kind of eased the pressure feeling like you donated an organ that wasn't any good yeah I guess that would kind of make you feel kind of shitty you're like I just gave you I did did my best and the organ's kind of shitty now mom what were you thinking when it fell were you like now I gotta go back to dialysis again well two things happened first of all I felt bad because I had lost my daughter's kidney a gift that she had given me to help me along the way, I lost it. It it made me feel like if I had done something a little better or a little different, I wouldn't have lost it. And then number two, I hated the thought that I had to go back on dialysis, go back in center, and do it three days a week for the rest of my life. Yeah, that, that was, was probably problem. no. That was that was that was the problem for I won't say problem for me because I didn't have to do it, but just the idea that you had to go back to dialyze it. Now, at what point? Because there was a lot of a lot of confusion during that timeline. Now, you went on a transplant list, if I remember, after this after the first kidney failed. Is that correct? Yes. Now, tell me about this transplant. They gave you a pager or something, and they're supposed to, you're supposed to be on this list. Like, you were on that list for a very long time. 
Oh, yeah. And it wasn't real sure at that time that I would get one in that time frame because I would have, from time I went back on dialysis in 2007 until present, I would have to be on a waiting list. And how, and how do they determine list. that waiting okay. list? Yeah, the, the waiting list is anywhere from five to seven years. Okay. <laughs> I remember. Um, so so that takes us up to the timeline. So now tell me where the where the confusion came in. Because at first it was like um, a family member was going to give you a kidney. Then they backed out. I can't remember if it was a sister or not. Then they backed out. And then it was a situation where there was a, someone may, may have mentioned that you couldn't get another live donor. You had to wait for somebody to pass away. Like, where did all that misinformation come from? Do you remember? Wow. You know, I, yes, I do. Um, I had several people to offer that didn't come through. And then they say that I couldn't get another live donor because I'm, I, my body may have been carrying some kind of virus. It was just a whole lot of confusion and misunderstanding that I didn't understand. So my next option was to go on home dialysis. Right, which I think we talked well, I about. I kind of encouraged that. Yeah, so that you, okay, yeah. Um, because the process of going to dialysis um, where we live in that part of Virginia snows, it's far away, you'd get sick, your blood pressure would bottom out, then you can't drive home, then you got to go back the next day, pick up the car. So it became easier for you to do it at, at home. And I think that that maybe increased your quality of life a little bit, but you still had to have, you still had to dialyze. And now it became four nights a week versus three times a week. Yes. Yes. But it was four nights a week, five hours long, which was at a slower pace, which they educated me on that it would give me a longer life. Okay. And three days a week, four hours on dialysis in center. Mm. And it would cleanse your blood a lot better on home dialysis than it does in But just let me uh, say this. When you speak of home dialysis, a lot of people think of peritoneal dialysis. Uh, Peritoneal peritoneal is when they insert a tube in your stomach. But you have to do it three times a day at home. Oh, God. First is hemodialysis. Right. Where... um, where they use an artificial kidney, which is called a hemodialyzer, mm-hmm. to remove your waste and extra fluid from your body. I got you. And that's gotcha. a much better dialyzing than peritoneal. Got it, got it. So so you got the that big old kidney that sits in your room next to your bed so you can lay down and do it. And even that process was kind of was kind of complicating to get all of that um, up to par. Uh, and then so at this point, you know, they've given you the pager. They put you on this list. And they tell you you'd be there for five to seven years. And you started again in 20 and 207. And then here it is 2014, if I remember correctly. And it's you're at the max list. You've been on the list for seven years. At what point were they like, what are our options now? Because now you've been on the list for seven years. You haven't gotten one offer of a kidney. I can't remember which doctor it was or not, but where, what happened for us to get to this point? I know what happened for me, but what, what did you switch doctors? Did you switch hospitals? Like what, what was the process to go from? hospitals. Now, what made you switch hospitals? My daughter, Yolanda. <laughs> we gotta find you another doctor. I imagine that's what she said. Well, You're like, no, okay. Yes, she had done some studying and found out that VCU has a better turnaround for transplant mm. than the other hospital where I first had my kidney transplant. Not calling the hospital's name, but she found out. <laughs> but you already did. <laughs> Oh, did I, did I do that? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But anyway, um, so BCU found out they have a better turnaround. And she okay. found out and educated on it, and she educated me. Okay. Okay. 
So, um, so what made you do your research, Sissy? Well, I'll say this in parting because I do have to wrap up my part as at the earlier part of the show, we said that I do have to leave for work today. <clears throat> but what I'd like to say um, is that I was 37 when I gave my mother the kidney. My sister, I don't know if she wants me to say what her age is. Oh, they already know. Okay, 40. <laughs> and all I want to say is that you're never too young or too old to save a life. The process, I wasn't on any medications when I came home. Uh, after two weeks, I was feeling great and back to work. And I haven't had any issues. 13 years later, I am healthy. I can't even tell that I don't have a kidney. It feels <laughs> just like nothing. So she's, she's still peeing. I just, just want to encourage anyone out there to definitely study up on it and research. And if you can help someone, definitely do. And I just wanted to let my sister know that she's going to be all right. The process is as simple, it's easy. We got great doctors today, and um, she's going to be just fine, her and mother. So she's going to have to exit us now. She's got to, like she said, she's got to go to her JOB. So thank you so much for your input today. I appreciate that. Um, we're going to head to um, our last break. And when we come back, mom and I are going to wrap up and tell you about the last four years getting to this point. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Visiting South Africa just got easier and is now all-inclusive when you travel with the real South Africa. Tours starting at $6,300, single occupancy, including air, hotel, transportation, and activities. Visit therealsouthafrica.com and reserve your trip today. Enjoy listening to Everyday News with the Blantons? Now you can go with Mark and Latasha and experience South Africa the way that they do. Safaris, five-star hotels, and first-class shopping, all with The Real South Africa. For more details, visit therealsouthafrica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Everyday News with the Blantons. Want to find out more about the program? Send an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Now, back to Everyday News with the Blantons. Welcome back. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to Everyday News with the Blantons. I'm your host, Latasha. And today I have with me my mother, Kathy. My sister was here a moment ago and she has exited. So we're just going to continue on our conversation. So here we are. It's 2014 and my sister has decided that she would do some research and get mom to a different hospital. And if I remember correctly, mom, you had an appointment. I want to say it was in around November and December here in um, in Richmond, Virginia, at VCU. And I think just out of curiosity, I came to the hospital with you. Is that correct? Correct. Now, I can't remember. Why, were you up here to see if they could get you a, a kidney sooner? Because you just came up here to see if they could get you, a, get you on a donor list sooner. Is that right? Correct. Because... So, um, Go they ahead. told me that they could get me on the list pretty quickly uh-huh. because I had some options. I could either get a kidney from uh, what they call them cadavers, yeah, or I could get a kidney from uh, maybe like an eighty-year-old man that may have a virus or something, but they didn't clean the kidney up and washed it. And when I was going through that, that's when you decided, <laughs> oh, I don't think we'll do that. Oh, I'm like, wait a minute. You want to give her an 80 year old clean kidney? I'm like, nah. So four years ago, I would have been 36. Um, So this is the process that I remember. And you can tell your version of it as well. So I'm at the doctor with you and we're talking to the nurse. um, And I remember just asking, well, can I give her a kidney? And the nurse's eyeballs got super big. She's like, absolutely. Absolutely. And I looked at you and I said, what? I said, mom, 
you told me you couldn't have another live donor. And you were like, I don't know. That's what they said. And I said, who said that? And it was the previous hospital that told you that you could not have another live donor. And you carried that with you for way too many years. And, and again, I feel like, you know, Yolanda, um, Sissy felt if you'd have said something sooner, we could have been had this done. You know what I mean? But that's not what happened. So, um, so if I remember that particular day, it was cold. Um, I had some pink leg warmers on and I was, I think I left, left the office to come <laughs> to the appointment. Um, but I remember asking her, you know, if I could do it. And she said, yes. And the funny part about me saying yes, is that that day they're like, okay, let's start the process. They started doing paperwork. They took blood that day. I was like, uh, that's okay. Um, I hadn't discussed it with Mark. I hadn't done any of those things. I was like, uh, what just happened? Um, but then, but then, and you'll have to correct me. We did all of that in, in, um, the fall of, um, fall and winter of 2014. But then in 2015, you had to go and have surgery on, was it your thyroid? Um, no, I had thyroid cancer in 2013. Was it 13? Yes, it was 2013 that I had thyroid cancer, and I went through a lot of radiation, and we had to put it off. Okay. And then, but 2014 was when they said you could have another live donor. Right. Okay, so then during that process, um, did you get cancer, did the cancer come back between 13 and 15? No, it's because they, what they call your thyroid globulin. Yeah. uh, Your levels of uh, thyroid uh, in your body, yeah. mine was still too high, and they thought I still had cancer. Okay. And see, when you have cancer, you cannot get a transplant. Right. Because all the medicines, the immune medicines that you take does not work well if you have cancer because it makes the cancer grow faster. Okay. So, um, so here we are, we're having treatments for what they think is still cancer to get those levels down so that you can have a transplant. Is that what happened? Correct. I think you had, okay. So um, I remember you had, did you have another surgery or another treatment that said you got to wait two more years or another year? Something happened that I can't remember exactly okay. the timeline that took us, took us off track. Okay, in 2016, they found out that uh, they did a full body scan, getting me ready for to have the transplant. And they found out that I had two um, my 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 kidneys that I was born with. They looked kind of abnormal, so they took a picture of it. They looked at it and they said, mm, "We're going to have to remove your kidneys." So when they removed my natural born kidneys, they removed right. both of them. Mm-hmm. They found out there was a percentage of cancer in that kidney. And that there was so also more. another rocket. <laughs> so then we had okay. to remove, right. If we remove your kidneys, we got any cancer in it, you have to wait another four years. Yeah. So yeah, that threw that in was... another four years. Right. That we knew was going to be, okay, I have to wait another four years, we're not even going to think about it. Yeah, that was rough. God works. I'm telling you, he's awesome. So call me up about a year later, not even quite a year later, and said, oh, 2017. you know what, Ms. Haskins? You know Haskins? We made a mistake. What? You can't get a kidney because it's not even cancer in that kidney to call hmm. it cancer. Amen. And I said, what? So then we had to go through the whole process again. <laughs> Now, we started this process um, in February of 2018, and I'm just going to tell the fast version of the story um, just simply because it's, you know, it, it takes longer than, than you would think. So 20, uh, early part of this year, 2018, um, they say we can do the transplant. I do all of the blood work in February. You do your stuff again because the numbers that they took from me in 14 and 16 were two years, you know, were too old for them to take. So they take all new samples and stuff. Um, we're preparing for the transplant. The doctor ends up rescheduling the surgery like three times. Um, long story short, we get to this particular moment where we are what mom, three days from the surgery. Three days, We've been, three days from the surgery. And what, 
and then you break your ankle in three places and require <laughs> surgical repair, uh, plate screws on both sides, physical therapy, all kinds of stuff. And I'm mostly just upset because I've been kind of putting off my move to South Africa to give her this kidney. So um, it was, you know, it was fine. So um, the doctor decides he wants to, you know, do it sometime in October. I asked him for November and um he agrees that we are going to do it on November the 20th. So we are super, super excited that we get to do this. I'm, I'm thankful. Ecstatic. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful. Ecstatic. I'm thankful that we get to do it, that it actually felt like it's closer, that you've, you know, made it to this point to where we're so close again. And, you know, you've been tasked with having to sit still, not drive anywhere, not go anywhere, not do laundry. Um, and just to make sure that we <laughs> make sure we decrease um, the risks of, of those um, things that can happen. So weather permitting, you know, God's going to open up the sky for us and you're going to get to Richmond like you're supposed to on Tuesday morning. And we're going to I'm going to drop this kidney off like I'm going to the post office and then <laughs> recover quickly. My sister gives me encouragement just knowing that um, it's it's not something that, um, that I should be, I should be afraid of. So I want to thank well, everyone. Know, we always have the Lord on our side. Yes, And we I do. mean, when you drop, I'm going to receive that package. I will take <laughs> care of that package. I appreciate I it. I tell you, um, I mean, I'll do better this time than I ever done before. Oh, I know. I believe But I am you. super, super excited. I think, um, the doctor told me yesterday that they believe I'm more ready now than I was in July. Agreed, they said, we agreed. really thank you mentally, physically, and spiritually ready now. Excellent, excellent. So I just want to thank everyone for listening. Thank mom for calling in and sharing your story with us. Um, So we've taken a moment to share our journey with you. Just know that kidney disease affects millions of Americans and most of them don't know that they have it. I do encourage those to consider um, becoming a live organ and tissue donor because there are people out there that need it. And I just ask everyone to send us your positive thoughts for Tuesday the 20th and just know that you'll continue to follow the journey of us uh, post-transplant on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as I will be posting lots of things as we move through this process. So thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to tune in next week to Everyday News with the Blandons. Until next time, educate yourself and have fun in the process. Thank you for tuning in to Everyday News with the Blantons. We hope you've enjoyed today's program and we'll tune in again next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a nice week.